You see, people collect all kinds of things. New, old, priceless, worthless. Darling, it doesn't matter what. I simply must know why. Those mothballs shouldn't get to keep all the secrets. This is the Mothball Prophecies. Hello and welcome to the Mothball Prophecies. I'm Samantha Mashburn. And I'm Jill Huffman. And today we have the absolute delight of sitting down with a whimsical human being. She is recently transplanted to the land of tulips with her darling toys and impeccable vintage fashions. Welcome to the show, Ash of Ash Tomaton. Hello. Hello. Welcome. We are so very excited. And I'm also, our copy editor is going to be squealing when she hears that intro because her family hails from Holland. Oh, awesome. <laughs> so she's going to be very stoked that we are speaking to somebody in her yeah, home country. Yeah, yeah she is. Yeah. <laughs> are you very excited to see tulips in bloom all over the place? Um, I have not seen any yet. We've only been here since November. So um, it's mostly been just like rain and like it's green. But um, yeah. Oh, see, as long as it's green, I can handle the like the water. Mm-hmm. Like here it's like <laughs> falling wet. Yeah. Like here it's snow and like brown. Yeah. Like depressing. Yeah. It's winter brown right now. Yeah. Yeah. Winter brown grass. <laughs> yeah. Um, do you like it so far being over there? Yeah, it's amazing. I mean, people are just friendlier and nicer and it's more peaceful and mm-hmm. like it's just I mean, we live in a really old uh, city or old town and called Horan and every other we live in the center where everything is from like the sixteen hundreds oh. and eighteen hundreds and I mean, I mean, a lot of like the house that we are renting for a brief time is from 1611, so it's like older than the U.S. So. <laughs> <laughs> Which sounds awful, like inspiration-wise, right? Like, do you just feel like you're walking around as the main character all the time? Yeah, like people are like you live in a Disney movie, <laughs> <laughs> like kind of because there's like little um, like pipe organ or a little organ grinder guy that like a like a plush monkey but he has like a little organ grinder and it's all painted up and he's so cute he has these little round glasses and he's like 80 and his little hat and i'm just i love you oh god (laughs) thank you that is whimsical i would just i think i would just be like with you know your mouth open the whole time just looking around like oh my god oh my god oh my god like just in love i'd just be running into people as i'm walking i'm slowly getting used to it but it's it's yeah it's pretty cute Yeah, one of my best friends in high school was an exchange student from Holland, and he was so nice and kind, and like his parents set the best freaking treats over, and they all (laughs) brought us, when we graduated, they brought us all wooden clogs, of course. So I still have them, and people come into my house thinking, because I mean, it makes sense for me to own them, Uh, but people will be like, where are these? I'm like, they're actually from Holland. They're not old, and they're my size, but they are so uncomfortable. I don't know what the (laughs) break-in process is. For wooden yeah, shoes, but <laughs> not good. Not good. And it's, uh, yeah, it's a sharp juxtaposition from our shared heritage of Idaho, uh, <laughs> where nothing is that old or ornate. <laughs> no, no. No. Or green. So I just, yeah. am, I am obsessed with that for you, that you live there. <laughs> Thank you. Um, so far. <laughs> <laughs> good. I wanted to ask, because, you know, we obviously have a lot of people from the United States on the show, and I wanted to know, as an American there, what is the difference with, like, thrifting or finding stuff? 
Um, well, I mean, the pandemic has kind of put a damper on a lot of that, even though things like mask rules and everything are going away like next week, which I'm like, mm-hmm. <laughs> a little nervous yeah. about, but I'm like, yay, but I'm like, mm, stay away from me. Um, uh, yeah. I mean, we haven't been to any shows yet. We've been to like a flea market that we, there was a giant, uh, flea, uh, like antique show in Utrecht that was supposed to be in the middle of November. Like we were going to go and it was going to be amazing. And we were like, hell, it's money saved up. We we're going to go and get a bunch of stuff but like right before the day before the show um well like a soft lockdown started and it was canceled probably for the best but um because that was when delta was circulating oh yeah um but we mostly like i mean we mostly have been staying in town like in horn i'm doing like uh kring loop winkle which is thrift stores um i love it shopping which there's i mean there's some okay stuff i've i found a few things um but um, the main thing I'm excited for is like going like further and like out of, out of the country. Cause there's, an, I know there's a lot of like vintage toys in Belgium. Cause we've been to Belgium before, like a few years ago and there's more toys and stuff like that there. And there's a really cool um, antique mall in Amsterdam. We've actually only been to Amsterdam like twice since we've lived here because we don't really feel like being around that many people right now. Mm-hmm. So um, but it's cool and they have neat stuff. It's, it's expensive, but it's sometimes fun to just look. But yeah, it's, it's different here. I mean, a lot of things, the antiques and vintage are like fancy and a lot of them are older, which is cool. But a lot of it's like glass and like mm. just nice things. But there's also like some gems. Like I have a bunch of like uh, hair work, uh, vin- uh, Victorian Ooh. morning brooches and stuff that I've found here like years ago, like at that same antique mm. mall in Amsterdam that I was just like, oh my God. <laughs> Please come home with me. Exciting. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's different here. But I'm I'm hoping like soon, like in the spring, we can like start like going to Paris to the flea market there and like it's oh, right. Around. They have it's that. like a three hour train ride from here. So oh, and that's magical. Yeah, you are living in a Disney movie. I know. Going on a three hour magical train ride to go buy old stuff. Sounds yeah, awful. Yeah. I'm excited. <laughs> well, and that's like I was I was thinking about that, you know, when I was writing up today's show. I was like, you're kind of at like ground zero for a lot of collectibles and a lot of mm-hmm. stuff that you like, like mentioning the toys. I mean, you're talking yeah. German toys, Japan, any yeah. other European country that was making toys before the Americas. Mm-hmm. Like the options of even just stumbling upon those is a lot higher. Yeah, yeah, because I mean, I used to be more into like, as you've seen, like the Russian like rubber face things, which are like insanely popular right now. Like, I get it, but I'm like, Mm. I don't really buy that stuff anymore. I don't like seek it it out or anything. But I feel like I've gotten my fill of American toys and all that stuff there. I've like so much stuff from there, and now I'm like in a new place where I can start collecting like older stuff and like more automaton type things and weird wind-ups and yeah. just older, crustier stuff, I Which, guess. Crusty and dusty is the best I type know. of collectible, yeah. Yeah. really. And yeah. you started mostly collecting in college. And I can understand that once you said where you were actually from. Like, that makes a lot of sense. Like, <laughs> you know, you're not going to find... And here, even, you don't really find a lot of, I guess stuff that everybody else isn't collecting when you go out to Mm -hmm. the thrift stores Mm -hmm. but it started for you in college what Mm -hmm. why toys why did it start there for you um well I mean I've always liked stuff (laughs) like (laughs) in general like I've never been a minimalist I've always just wanted things no matter what it was and um when I was in college I was studying illustration which 
it's a useless degree and <laughs> to me because I haven't done anything with it. I'm in software now, which is completely opposite. But, um, <laughs> the illustration and a friend introduced me to uh, Mark Ryden's art and I was like, oh my God, this is amazing. And there were like a lot of like his characters were like based on these old toys and I would um, I went to an antique store in Boise and I was like, oh my God, a Mark Ryden toy because <laughs> it like reminded me of his stuff right. and it was like this little barber face skunk and those things used to be really really cheap to buy yeah. <laughs> like everything like I think I spent like $30 on one and which was a lot then when mm-hmm. I was in college it was like well, $30 is a lot of money yeah. but now I'm just like people are spending thousands on these like things uh, especially so. the rushed in skunk that you found because yeah. that's yeah. I mean that's the one of ones that's at, like the top of my list of like things I would have like I'm the same way if it's like when it's highly collectible and it's out of my play range I'm just like no nah, I'm just not gonna do it I'm not gonna <laughs> but a Rushton skunk or the stupid whale or the cow oh, yeah the whale is really rare yeah <laughs> I have yeah the whale. He's, like, it's so hard to find you have the whale mm-hmm. oh. I have the whale and the I had the seal but I sold him. I sold like half my Russians before we moved because mm-hmm. I was just like, I need to pare down. And it's a good thing because the houses are smaller over here. And yeah. yeah. I just needed less stuff. And so I sold like half my Russian collection, which on eBay at auction and made quite a bit, like a good amount of money a month to pay for our shipping container over here. Hell Whoa. Yeah. yeah. And I have the, I have the fish and I have two of the octopus guys. Oh. Octopi. Well, I got to go now. I have to. <laughs> um, but I love I loved when you wrote that in your little questionnaire about paring your collection down and going, now I can go after the stuff that I really want, mm-hmm. which I think is a, a privilege afforded to few collector wise, right? Very few of us move or uh, let alone out of the country and have to go look objectively at our collections and be like, okay, yeah. I yeah. love you so much, but... Yeah. And the pandemic had a lot to do with it too. I mean, I was working from home for since two years ago mm. and um, I mean, previously I was in office and I had a chance to look at all my stuff every single day mm. that whole time. And I could easily pick out what I loved the most and what I was like, not that attached to. Mm-hmm. It was, it was pretty easy. Like I was it was never sad. Like selling the ones that I did because I get very attached to inanimate objects, especially if they have faces. Like I'm just yeah. like, cause you feel <laughs> bad. Yeah. yeah. These things are like people that bought them were like so excited and everything. Mm-hmm. So I was just, I was like, it's fine. I'm like, I'm keeping you friends, but not you guys. And <laughs> we want to go somewhere else anyway. Yeah. You're going to a loving home that's been looking yeah. for you. Yeah. Yeah. I think, I just think that's really beautiful, but um, on the Mark Ryden thing, I remember coming across him early on in internet times, right? When you could get exposure to different artists and stuff. Mm-hmm. And I remember seeing his stuff and being like, oh my God, this is the exact type of thing that I like. And I wonder if there's a Mark Ryden to interesting collectible pipeline of people that I are- I think there is. Yeah, there has to be. A lot of people started collecting because of him and because of- artists like that. Um, and I know a lot of people start collecting because of me. Like people will be like, I started buying this stuff because of you. I'm like, no, no, no. I'm, <laughs> I'm like, it's fine. Like I'm, I'm done with this bit anyway. So right. just like, Don't do what do you want. Me. Like I'm glad I inspired you. But, um, but also if I see yeah. a, a thrift store, I'm, I'm running. I know what's yeah. there, not you. <laughs> but yeah, I'm actually like friends with Mark now. Like we've been friends for several years now through another collector friend. And we like hung out 
antique shows in Portland and because they live there now. And um, oh, very cool. Portland and like hung out with him right before we left. And hopefully, I get to see him soon. Or they have a show. Uh, they both have shows over here, I think, soon. So oh, very on, cool. On the Netherlands, but in Europe, and so I mean, it might go. as well be. You know, everything there is so close together. You could just be like, yeah, hey, go here, which yeah, is marvelous. Yeah. Like you can just take a train or you can take a flight if it's somewhere further and it's like a hundred bucks, which is like anywhere. (laughs) We, I was excited because we have a direct flight to Seattle. (laughs) Oh yeah. We got that now. One to Seattle and one to Portland. Yeah. Living big. I know. I was like, Whoa, we can go. And then you see the ticket prices. You're like, "Eh, maybe I don't. For like going anywhere there. Mm -hmm. It's just, even if it's close, it's just ridiculous. Yeah. Like, and get like some like stapled down lawn chair to sit in and like it's <laughs> yeah. super shitty. Yeah. Here's some warm bath water for your, but don't, if you drink it all, it's $50. No, because, well, with Frontier, because that's who's doing it, they give you a, like a free thing of wine or beer. God bless them. So, I mean, it kind of makes me feel a little better but when your I luggage have to isn't free. Your luggage yeah. is like $100. Yeah. I mean, it's like, oh, you want to bring stuff with you? <laughs> Dude, wear all your clothes on the flight. Wear all of them. Your shoes, everything. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah we had a friend that we've made because of the show who is actually a Victorian hair and morning sentiment specialist. His name's Hayden. And he messaged us and he was like, hey, I'm coming to the States finally now that things are lifting and I'm going to be teaching a lecture in Houston. Do you guys want to come? Mm-hmm. And I was like, would love to, but Houston could not be farther from my house. I know. And in March, like it was, I would absolutely love to do that. But I was like, yeah, just forget how big the country is. So yeah, because yeah, I have my best friend. I mean, it's my not easy friend. to just get everywhere. No, you and drive. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because it was funny. My um, husband, he works for INL, the National Lab here, and they had Italians come. This is when he first started working there, and they were touring or whatever. And they were just, like, flabbergasted by how far everything was. Yeah. And they're like, now it makes sense why you guys have cars and have to drive everywhere. And we're like, yeah, yeah see, we don't yeah. do it because, like, we want to. I would yeah. love to just hop on a train and mm-hmm. go yeah, and nothing's measured by ma- miles. It's hours and minutes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was three hours away, 45 minutes away, whatever. Yeah, exactly, yeah. Did you, like, did your parents grow up with any collectibles or anything? Not really. I mean, I don't know where I got it. <laughs> I, mean, I mean, my dad has, like, a lot of, like, tools and crap that he collects. And um, Normal my mom doesn't, stuff. like, collect anything. Um, no, and my sister, my I have a younger sister. She doesn't, like collect anything like her her husband's their house is pretty like not like ours <laughs> <laughs> yeah like, we just have shit everywhere like people mm-hmm. are like oh like what store are you at right now if i have a picture of me in front of my stuff and i'm like this is my house <laughs> this is my house this is actually my living room thing uh, yeah i am that sibling also like my brothers just have you know regular degular store-bought stuff and then mm-hmm. come to my house and I'm like, look at this jar I have hair in. Look at this, <laughs> these doll parts I just took apart and put in a vase. Isn't that interesting? Mm-hmm. And they're like, you're so fucking weird. Yeah, my sister always saved her money like when we'd get allowance or whatever Christmas money. And I would always like want to get something. So I'm like, and I always talk to like my other collector friends like this, like money is ugly. Well, especially in the US, it's not a good thing to look at. Like you're trading it for something more nice to look at. Mm-hmm. It's just like a trade. Like yeah. you don't want this pile of like ugly, dirty paper. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like have this thing that you 
love yeah. and they're attached to. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm a big fan of I've never been a minimalist, li- literally ever. And there's nothing I love more than coming home and seeing all of the stuff that makes me smile or like, I'm just like, oh, you're so stupid and cute. I love you so much. <laughs> and yeah, I think that that's like when people ask me why I collect. And then the second question, if they are not a collector, is like, well, how much money is it worth? And I'm like, that's not why I have it. Mm-hmm. No. No. No, I, nothing. Yeah. It doesn't matter. Yeah. Or I always hate when like I'll get phone calls and be like, how much do you think this is worth? It's at the Goodwill for like a dollar fifty. And I'm like, I have no clue. Mm-hmm. Do you like it? They're like, well, yeah. And I'm like, then just, just buy, buy it. it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> there's and there's also nothing worse than like having something that you bought because it's just cute and you don't know anything about it. And then you find out it's like hundreds and then you're looking at it a little differently. <laughs> you're like, don't break, don't fall, don't please don't do something mm-hmm. crazy. Uh, yes, I have yeah. purposely stopped looking up the stuff I have bought because I've got um, that blue swung vase that mm-hmm. I have. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's quite a bit. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm just like, oh, <laughs> man, that kind of ruins it for me. <laughs> and like, I don't know a lot about toys. Like, I don't know. No, I know nothing. Like, uh, as far as toys are concerned, like, this is this guy, my little Edward Mobley dog, I obviously bought because of Kate, but I have, yeah. I think like two squeak toys in my collection. And like, now I look at toys a little differently because of the show, but mm-hmm. I don't know. I don't know a lot about them. Like you wrote in your thing about like vintage Japan toys, tin toys with faces. Is there like a specific genre you're looking for within that realm or is it? Um, no, I mean, just a lot of, their vintage toys, their tin toys, like are um, like anthropomorphic. Like they, I have like a, a couple of toasters that have faces that Bandai made, and they're just so cute and weird. And I mean, they're they're turning like inanimate objects into like characters. Mm-hmm. And I have like a little xylophone guy. And I mean, if Japan wasn't like closed right now to visitors, like we would go soon because we were supposed to go in twenty twenty again. And couldn't obviously yeah and i just because the toy shopping there is like insane like like more toys and more like shit than you've ever seen in your life it's like it like makes your eyes tired because there's just so much to look at i mean some of it's really expensive but yeah some of you can get good deals on the flea markets are great too so it's we're just like wanting to go back there oh that sounds divine is it like all like new stuff and old stuff just everywhere yeah i mean Japan, I find, is very um, visually overstimulating. Mm-hmm. <laughs> very dangerous because I like, like spy shit all day. <laughs> I'm just like, because <laughs> everything's cute and everything has a face and everything yes. is like uh. aesthetically pleasing. And um, there's the like a uh, this whole building that's called a uh, Nakano Broadway. It's like a it's like a, it's sort of a mall, but it's not like a mall like we would think. Um, but it's just like full of mostly vintage toys just like all these little stores that are like different things and some is like video games and some is like a few different things but it's just so much stuff and it's like and we can spend the entire day there oh my it's just god a lot and it's amazing like oh it sounds like a dream there's lots of vintage stuff there and lots of like vintage japanese stuff there's vintage american stuff the vintage american stuff is really expensive because mm. it's popular there and they can charge more for it but so I don't know where buy American toys there, but <laughs> all the like Japanese stuff is just there's just so much of it. You could never ever look at all of it, even just in that place. Like there's just too much. And the store is like packed so tight that you 
like can't wear a backpack in there because oh, you wouldn't you would God. like hit things you like turned around like you have oh. to like kind of walk like this like you can't have your bag sticking out or anything not great for americans in general like, no okay <laughs> yeah wow yeah. oh that's so cool i i love that you have so many different like thrifting or finding hunting stories what a thrilling yeah. thing to have to know like kind of where things exist and what it's like that's just I'm envious of that yeah it's our yeah. like favorite thing to do my husband and I because like, when we met we were, like would just go on like little antique road trips all the time and, uh-huh. and then we started going on like vacation like further to like Japan and like Europe and stuff and just mm-hmm. like we always look at the flea markets and always go to the like antique shows like those places and it's just cool because it's like different stuff that you never see and yeah. sometimes you don't find anything but it's still like cool other stuff that's mm-hmm. like we wouldn't see in the, in the states so well and it's good to just like look at stuff to get a different idea of what's out there right of what's mm-hmm. available what's yeah. popular or even selling mm-hmm. in different places because it yeah. is very regional of like mm-hmm. what's popular in certain yeah spots yeah. so have you yeah. transitioned from like rubber toys and squeaks to now more like tin toys is that where yeah, you're moving? Yeah, I have been for a while. I haven't really been buying squeaks or anything, though. I bought, I, I'll buy them if they're foreign, which is like all that's here. I've bought one at the Kringloop Winkel a while ago. That's just like a little deer because oh, I like deer. So and I was just, and it was like three euro. So I was like, let me get this. <laughs> and, <laughs> um, you know. Yeah, because I sold like a lot of my squeaks before I left. Mm-hmm. Some are in storage. I, I just kind of bring all of that and like, I look at them. I'm just like, I like you, but I don't mm-hmm. love you. Like, mm-hmm. but these tin toys and stuff. I've been, I don't know. I I don't want them because they're harder to find. But but I like finding them more because they're harder to find because it's like more exciting and special yeah. and mm-hmm. not as like common. Yeah. Because all the mobile stuff, I just like find like eh, there's a pile of these and there's a pile of these and I just like multiples of everything and it's mm-hmm. just it just kind of was not exciting anymore. But yeah, and I like finding things that I've never seen before too. Like, what the hell is this weird clown tin toy thing? And mm-hmm. then I have to find it. So, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I am very similar in that aspect of like, I'll see stuff and be like, oh, that's really great. But the stuff that comes home with me is the stuff that I'm like, this is so interesting. Just to like, I found a 10 inch tall, like 50s poodle candle the other day at the thrift store. <laughs> and it's got like a red velvet collar with like the beads that look like kind of like shells in a flower shape. She has little bows on her ears. And I was like, I would never buy this outside of a thrift store. But I was like, you're so dumb. <laughs> and I've never seen something like this. So come home with me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You're saving it from someone who wouldn't like it as much. Mm-hmm. That's, That's true. Yeah. I look at things and I like... I'm like, I have to save you. <laughs> That's how I justify every person. Especially the squeak toys. When I used to buy those, I used to like save them, at, especially at thrift stores and mm. estate sales. People buying them to give their dogs is like a chew toy. Oh, God. God. Right. So, so now you're going to buy them always and save them from the dogs. Oh, oh. <laughs> and like even I the rubber face toys people give to their dogs sometimes. So. Oh. I hope as soon as they arrive in heaven for anybody that does this to antiques, <laughs> there's a scroll that comes down and they go, here is all of the antiques you crucified. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. Which I, I mean, I get it. You know, it's, it's it when you don't know. I know, but even. It hurts. Oh. Yeah, it hurts a little bit. A little bit. Mm-hmm. A lot, actually. Mm-hmm. I never thought of that. No. I just yeah. thought people were better <laughs> than yes. that. <laughs> Some most are. <laughs> 
So what is your, like, when you are finding something for your collection, do you have, like, a certain, I know I don't, do you have, like, a certain, like, protocol list you go through of, like, where do you think it's going to go or, like, what kind of condition it needs to be in or is it just kind of case um, by case? No. <laughs> it's just, like, if I find something, I like it, I get it, and I find a place for it. Sometimes I know where it's going to go, like, in my collection and mm-hmm. shelves and everything and, um, but yeah, I usually don't have a plan for it. And I like things that are more broken and sad and loved. Like I, I a bunch of the Russians I sold were like perfect looking almost. Mm-hmm. And I was just like, they're like all white and like nice. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's just like not as appealing to me as like someone with like a falling out eye and like missing arms or something. Yeah. Cause yeah. someone loved, some kid loved the shit out of that thing. And like yes. just broke it fur off, and you're just like they were like all squished we, in the middle, like, just squeezing like, the crap out of it. Yeah, and the other ones were just like no one loved me. <laughs> <laughs> my mom got it for me for my friend, and then they just kept me in a cabinet, and now I'm going to be in a cabinet again. I wasn't allowed to be touched. Please touch me. <laughs> yeah. yeah, and you know that someone who spends like two grand on eBay for one of these like pristine toys this isn't going to like cuddle it or whatever. <laughs> like, no. Or, like, give it to their kid or mm-hmm. whatever. Now I like. always think of like the Toy Story, like what was it the second one where like Jesse and Woody were picked up by collectors and the uh, the old man wanted to be pristine and nobody to touch him, but mm-hmm. Woody wanted to be loved. Oh. Yeah. yeah. What yeah. a sobering so, tale. I know. Now I'm going to look at all the freaking vintage toys and just like There you go, Joe. At them. I love you. <laughs> I love you so much. <laughs> Um, I do want to talk about, obviously, your favorite things is automatons, mm-hmm. because I think it's such an interesting collectible, because, man, if you want some quirky things, like, no, look no further than antique or even vintage automatons, when did that start for you? Um, I mean, there's those little black cat ones that I have that are made in Germany that I saw one somewhere online and I was like, I need that just because it's like really demented looking and just like, Rawr, like are those <laughs> the ones like, that like look like they're meowing and they just, their eyes. Yeah. And they like all vibrate. The they like find out, but they like vibrate and just like, like they're gonna <laughs> yeah. Explode or something. And so I finally found uh, several of those all on eBay. Cause they're like impossible to find in the wild. But um, then I went to like in 2019, went to an automaton museum here in the Netherlands in Utrecht. And it, that's what's behind me. That place is at the Automaton Museum, actually. I took it. <laughs> and um, there's, I mean, there's, I just saw like all the cool like windups and just the, the, like, they, they're impressive to me because of like the mechanics of them mm-hmm. from that time, from like the late 1800s, some older. And they, most of them still work. And most of them like, and they weren't toys then. They were like rich people buy them to like entertain guests at parties, but like, the, especially like, you know, the, like the bird cage one where they like wind it and like the bird sings. Oh, right. and it's very lifelike, like wealthy people would have those and like, be like, Oh, look at my bird. And then, <laughs> I mean, I, I do that with my stuff too, but it's more like, look at this awesome tea party cat thing. Like, right. <laughs> yeah. Bishop wind the bird. <laughs> the guests want to see it. And that's what I love about them too. I remember the first time I saw like one in real life was in San Francisco on the wharf. There is an arcade there that is, has antique to retro and vintage ones. And they had a huge like band 
setup and it was an automaton and you wound up the side and there was like a piano player and a accordion player and all this stuff. And I just remember standing there being like, somebody took the time to wire each individual piece to a different timing mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. was incredible for the time. And I wonder if they would have been more popular if electricity hadn't soon followed. Yeah. I'm not sure. I mean, maybe I, I feel like they were, they didn't make that many of them, which is why they're so hard to find. Because, mm. I mean, they were hard to make. They were, like, a lot of work. Yeah. And I, mean, I, have, I only have a couple, like, actual, like, the big ones with, like, all the characters and stuff. But um, most muse- museums have them. Okay. But, um, yeah, I don't know why they didn't take off or maybe people were entertained by other things. <laughs> I right. think they're cool. Well, and if they were primarily for the wealthy, I mean, I'm sure that there were very few wealthy people aristocratically that were buying these instead of other wealthy show-offy yeah, pieces yeah, to have in true. their home. Yeah. Like, yeah. I, yeah. Like, I wonder if it was like the eccentric, quirky wealthy that were like purchasing those more than somebody that was like, I'm just going to buy bone china and crystal mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, and have jewelry made. Yeah, <laughs> they're the ones that bought like the actual animals and just like poked it with mm, a stick mm-hmm. and were like, "Dance, monkey, dance!" Mm-hmm. Then, yeah. yeah, or had like player pianos or something. Yeah, 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 <laughs> yeah. yeah. And I'm excited for you for the area of your that you're now living in to have a much broader reach of finding tin toys. I would think because so many were made. I mean, even just in Germany. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. There's a lot of flea markets there too, um, which. We'll go to eventually once they're yeah. <laughs> once things are more like stable. Um, but yeah, there's a ton of flea markets in like Berlin and stuff that we plan on going to Ugh. hopefully soon. And does yeah. your husband collect the same things that you collect, or does he have things he's after? No, he he collects some things and um, mostly like newer stuff. And by newer, I mean like <laughs> vintage Lego. Like he's a bunch of space Lego and. Oh, cool. Um, like a bunch of like garbage pail kids cards, like the old ones. Oh, and yeah. yeah. He has like some like old Japanese like anime like toys and yeah, his he doesn't collect as much as I do, but he's like had big collections before and then like just sold them all. He sold a lot of stuff before he moved and mm. he still has some collections, but I have most of the most of his <laughs> same. Same. at this point. Mm-hmm. But yeah, he had he had like in a whole arcade in our basement in our Ooh. house in Portland. Like they were like 17 arcade games or something which we're moving moved down from the basement door down the stairs in and out is not fun so Mm -hmm. no no but he sold all of those before we left and um so now he's just like here and maybe he'll find something new to collect or maybe he'll just keep his other stuff maybe he'll sell it someday right starting from scratch yeah are the other thing I wondered about too of being in a new place and like flea markets and shops and different things like that, like the bargaining culturally must be different than it is here, yeah, I mean sometimes I mean, I haven't really been to any flea markets recently, but I mean, I'm always like if I think something's like too much, I'll like make a reasonable offer, and mm. if they say no, they say no, yeah. usually they'll they're willing to like bargain. So it's, it's not that big of a deal. I mean, I, I mostly did that in the U.S. because we go to the big antique show and things were overpriced. And I was mm-hmm. like, this here for like five years, the same thing. And right. yeah. <laughs> I cover this much. Do you actually mm-hmm. want to get rid of it? And they were always really nice. And like, we're like, sure. And yeah. 
Just but it's, yeah, it's similar. Mostly asking for market research for myself of future <laughs> trips to be like, all right, Ashley said. I know. I can and cannot do these things. Also, I'm terrible at flea markets. We don't really have them here. You know that. And uh, every time I go and I see something that's just like, oh, my God, I just get too excited and like to have no poker face of being like, yeah, this is too much. I'm always just like wide eyed and excited. I Well, because, yeah, when we went to it's the terrible. flea market in uh, California, because mm-hmm. we were like assuming California prices, right? Yeah. And then we'd come mm-hmm. across things that we both love and we're like, it's so cheap. How, mu- how much do you want? Because hardly anything was like priced mm-hmm. so we'd be like how much do you want and i got like a brass crane and it's like three dollars and i was just like yeah i mean mm-hmm. that seems like a good price for this item <laughs> and then like throw the money out of him and like run off yeah <laughs> yeah i was gonna wear it today and i forgot i couldn't find it surprise um i have this brooch that's uranium glass and it says bad oh, and cool. it's in like script and i saw it and i had my little black light and I was like, this is so cool. And I like picked it up and it was like only like $9. And I like squealed. And then I heard my friends laughing like, God, get your, get it together. And the people looking at it were like, you're okay. You're that excited about a brooch. All right. (laughs) Yeah. We were both looked at like we've never been to one, which in all honesty, not really. No, not really. I Um, wanted to like keep my cool over the years and just be like, well, how much is this weird doll? Like, because I at one of the like Portland antique shows, this was like forever ago, years ago. Um, I started going on Fridays by myself because like that's the a more expensive day to get in, but less people are there. Mm-hmm. And I would just take a day off work and just walk around. And I found one of the Kate knows these, the sunny sun rubber bears. Oh, yeah, the yeah. Pointed ones. Mm-hmm. I found one just like sitting on this table. This is the white one. And I was like, oh. and I picked it up and it was $6. And I was like, and I like hold it. And I'm like, I bring it up to the lady. I'm like, I'm like, just this please. And she's like, uh, how about $5? That's easier. I'm like, okay. Like, like, yeah. I'm like, I told Kate and she's like, oh my God, that's crazy. <laughs> that's how this little cutie, my, I bought him at that. It was the Tabanga like flea market, Torrance flea market. Torrance. Yeah. And, uh, my friend Riley saw him first and she like does these like big eyes at me from across, you know, like that, get over here and look at this. She picks it up and there's two people running the booth, one on either side. They had this big corner booth. And the gentleman uh, says, I think there's 20 on that. And Riley's looking at, she's doing the dicker in for me. She's rolling it around. She goes, mm. she goes, how about 15? And then she like looks at me and she's like, kind of like, are you good with that? And I was like, yeah, I'm good with that. And then the lady that it was hers comes over and she looks at it and uh, she said, really 15? And Riley's like, yeah. Like, and she starts talking about it. And I'm just like, yeah, 15 is fine. The lady was like, okay. And I carried it under my arm like the rest of the flea market. I was just chuffed to bits. <laughs> and then somebody goes, I'm in another booth. And somebody's, you know, we got a lot of dog stuff if you're really into dogs. <laughs> and I was like, no, this one is the only one I'm into in particular. <laughs> that and I had my taxidermied toad playing basketball, both in oh, my arms. Just, yeah. Nice. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it was a it was a good day for you. It was a really good day for me. I was very pleased with everything that I found that day. Um, I the other thing I wanted to talk about too is I don't think we've ever talked about them on the show. Is Blythe dolls? Oh yeah. Okay, tell me about Blythe. Um, I have a few of those, the vintage ones, and I have a couple new ones too. But 
I mean, she was made for only one year in 1972 by Kenner because you know, the big eyed dolls were in and, you know, her eyes change color when you like pull a little string in the back of her head and they like look each way and uh, kids didn't really like them. They thought they were scary, which I'm like, I mean, I don't get with like anything I have. So I, yeah. <laughs> but a lot of people think they're scary still. Um so they only made them for a year and then Gina Guerin um, started taking photos of them. Like I feel like in 2000 or 2001, I can't remember when it was. Oh, wow. Um, and I books with me, but um, she started to be taking pictures of them and became, they became really popular. And so the Kenner lights started being more popular and more valuable and people were selling them for a lot on eBay because they only made for one year. There were only so yeah. many of them. And then eventually, like a few years after that, Japan, um, this company, well, Takara Tomi, started making like reproduction ones, which is what they still, they still make them now that Takara does. And they're, they're, I mean, they're all like have fancy dresses and they're like really cute. And I used to be really obsessed with them. I, I really love my Kenner ones, but I used to be super obsessed when I was um, like after college, like when I moved to Portland, I was obsessed with Blythe dolls and like I had a bunch of the like newer ones and I was like, like, like customizing them with my like Blythe friends there. And, um, but then I eventually like sold a bunch of my like newer ones to pay for a Kenner. And now I have like, I have three Kenners and wow, they're, they're just weird. And I like fixing them up when they're like all jacked, like when their hair is all just like, you know, Barbies, when you like wash mm-hmm. their hair in the bath, yeah. it's like this like, dreadlock. <laughs> <laughs> Um, like I like fixing them up and making them look prettier and just not crazy. <laughs> I had no idea they were only made for one year. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. How do you That's fix how do you fix their hair? What's the what's um, the restoration process like on you, it? Well, I mean, a lot of people do different things, but I usually like soak their hair and like some people soak their hair in fabric softener, which I I don't know if I ever tried that, but I um usually just condition their hair with like uh like hair dye conditioner, something like really, oh, well, you know, mm-hmm. something, something good. Yeah. Um, really like rich in emollients and stuff. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then you um, like rinse it out and like, let it like, or you, you, you can put curlers in it, like comb it out, like and put, put curlers in it and it kind of like holds its shape mm-hmm. and like smooths it. But I haven't done that for a long time with mine. I usually um, take a, like a shitty, uh, hair straightener like mm. one that doesn't get very hot mm-hmm. and um like spray their hair down and put like um some like hair oil in it mm-hmm. just a little bit and like just like straighten it out and it, like it smooths it but you have, to, you have to check it on a small strand to make sure you're not gonna melt it but, yeah which i haven't done yeah. but it, like their hair like smooth and nice you are on the all of the right tracks with it because it's very similar to like a synthetic i mean it's a synthetic wig yeah, right. Exactly. And some synthetics, yeah. I don't know about that age, are heat tolerant up to a certain degree. Mm-hmm. And Suave would actually probably be a really good choice because the cheaper your conditioner is, like to purchase, is probably going to have a higher content of artificial, artificial, artificial like fats or emollients, like waxes mm-hmm. and things like that. Yeah. That will make it like, like that's why pro- people use fabric softener is because mm-hmm. of that faux. Yeah you know, emollient. So that's, no, that's like the perfect way to do that. Yeah. Cause was, with, and yeah, yeah. And depending on like, cause I think most of them were made with straight synthetic hair, right? Or is there like mm-hmm. a little bend on yeah. the end? 
Um, it's a little like, mm. you know, mm-hmm. it's like the seventies, like just like a little wavy and like a little curl at the end. But I mean, yeah, yeah I'll still have a little bit. And some of them have bangs, some don't. Cute. I know. I love the bangs and the big eyes. I didn't yeah, know their yeah. eyes changed either. That there was a pull cord mm-hmm. in the back that changed their eye color. Yeah, yeah. It's it's what makes them kind of special. Yeah, because you can. This way, I think she started taking pictures of them because they were like, like photogenic. Because there's like this little person with this mm-hmm. head that wouldn't work in real real life, mm-hmm. and like eyes that like change colors. And um, I feel like now the custom ones, the ones that like people buy, like just a factory doll and like make custom mm-hmm. lights, like carve their faces and like customize them all special. I feel like those are more valuable than the Kenners at this point. People sell some for like a thousand or more mm-hmm. and live one. That's really cute. And she's very expressive and just like, is that the one with like the mouth that you have? Like the carved. Mm-hmm. Oh, she's yeah. so cute. Yeah. yeah. When I saw that, I was like, that must be a custom one. Cause the mouth is so cool and interesting. Yeah. Yeah. She's, she's just like pissed off. I love her. <laughs> she's, she's cute. And my other place are like, as they are, I wouldn't <clears throat> I dare carve them up or do anything with them. Mm-hmm. But that one's cool. Cause it's just like, has such a personality and it's just funny. And the girl that makes those is, super talented so oh, I remember early on coming across like Blythe Tumblr and being like what is this world that just unlocked <laughs> mm-hmm. and I loved I loved like the scenarios that people would set up for them and like full-blown storylines and it's very very cool niche to be witness to because mm-hmm. yeah, of the yeah. talent first of all like the people that make clothes for them or even make custom Blythe's is incredible yeah, yeah, the people who made, started making clothes for them kind of when it started becoming a thing. Like my friend Leo, who lives in London, um, he's so talented. And I wish I could like have some sort of shrink ray and like wear all the dresses he makes for the place because they're like so, so detailed and amazing. And he he sells them for like a good, good amount too. Like that's like his thing and they're just he's so talented like some of the little buttons on and like little like lace trimmings things I do when I sew myself but like like the scale and because I've sewn some doll dresses and bike dresses but it's after one I'm just like I hate this like (laughs) you think it'd be easier because it's like less material less stuff it's like you're just like about to run your fingers over with the sewing machine, <laughs> which I've done well and to get the tailoring correct right because they're not like shapely bodies they're and to get that fabric to lay in a way that it's not going to be an asshole mm-hmm. as, yeah. yeah, you would think it would be easier, but not. Yeah, it's tricky. Do you so make fun. a lot of your own clothing? Uh, most of them are like half probably. Yeah. Nothing I'm wearing I've made, but. That's okay. Uh, again, most of my stuff is still in store. <laughs> <laughs> and um, you, so. you primarily land in the 30s, right? For your, your stuff that you like? Yeah, like 30s, 40s. I used to be more in the like the 50s, like little like baby doll like mm-hmm. girls dresses mm-hmm. and I don't know I just like got tired of that and, and I still like it but I don't wear that as much and yeah. I already look younger than I am I don't really look like a child <laughs> <laughs> it's just weird for me because I don't know I want mm-hmm. people to take me seriously a, bit, a little bit at least right not yeah very much, but just a little <laughs> <laughs> not a lot just enough to be like yeah, yeah. I pay taxes leave me alone don't <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. don't talk to me don't talk yeah. to me. <laughs> yeah, I grew up with my mom as a sewer and like making clothes and things like that. None of it uh, rubbed off fully onto me. I mean, I can sew something, but it's not going to be like clothing is such a hard thing to 
master, but like making your own clothes, it has to be just so nice to make something that you like see and you're like, oh, I just want that blouse or that collar or Mm -hmm. something like that. I think that's so marvelous. Mm -hmm. I miss it. I I mean, because I'm an army sewing machine since like September and I just want my stuff and I just want to sew and like make things because there's not a lot of like vintage like clothing here to buy. I mean, Mm. every once in a while I find something at the thrift store, but there's not like a lot. There's some in Amsterdam, but not like here where I'm living. And I don't know. It's just, I miss making my stuff. Cause like, if I see something, I can just like make some rendition of that or like mm. make my own or something inspired by that. And now I, I learned how to knit here. So I'm like knitting a little bit. I like scarves. And I need to make things. something. <laughs> I want to make like sweaters and things, but I'm like not at that level again. <laughs> it would just be like a weird blob that had a hole in the top or something. Right. Like it's supposed to be asymmetric. One three quarter, one full over the hand. Yeah. That's what it's supposed that's, to look like. That's yeah. a new thing. No back, backless. Yeah. yeah. It's back art. Sweater. Yeah. Super just make a chain to tie it in the back like a cape. <laughs> yeah. It's yeah. an apron sweater. What? Have you never seen one? <laughs> Sorry. It's good for winter, you know, your back just showing. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, it's fine. If you have like a cool chain stitch, you know, boiler suit on, like (laughs) I got to keep my trunk warm in the front, but in the back, I need everybody to know that I'm, I mean, business. I mean, really, when you're going outside, you wear a coat anyway. So it's not like you need more material on your Generally, I don't like coats. I don't ever, if I'm going to be outside for a long amount of time, I'll take a coat. But if I'm just going like into a building, I'll just brave it out. I'll just deal with it. Oh, God, no. I hate being cold. I know you do. I'm sorry. Okay. Picked a bad place to live. Uh, my fault. When do you guys get to move into your house? I'm in a little less than a month now. So pretty soon. Excited. So we're getting our stuff delivered the day after we get the keys. And I'm just like, oh, God. I have like uh, a map spread out of where furniture and things are going because I'm crazy. <laughs> I'm no, just like, no. how it needs to be. Well, so we only have the movers for that day and they need to move things up the mm-hmm. little like Dutch death stairs. Oh, God. Oh, man. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So they need to be there when I need to know where things are going so they can be put where they go, not just. Yeah. And I have to be like, yeah, that doesn't go there. That's very smart. My uh, my grandparents lived for like 13 years in England in the Air Force, and my grandma had movers pack her stuff up and bring all of her hordes of antiques and vintage back. I don't think she let anything go. And she always, when she tells the story, she goes, you know, none of my stuff broke, Samantha. And I'm like, oh, that's good. And she goes, you know why? <laughs> and I said, why? She goes, because I kept them, I kept them in the tea and the biscuits. And I said, you did? She goes, yep. <laughs> I, I went through, and she like changes the number every time. She goes, I went through 150 tea bags, and then it'll be like 96 tea bags. <laughs> she goes, that's what I did. That's how everything. And I was like, that's fantastic. And then my grandpa would like roll his eyes when he was alive. He'd be like, oh, she tells that story every time. So I hope that they get all your stuff. And I thought, what a magical little thing to go back through everything. Yeah, it's going to be like Christmas. <laughs> yeah. I mean, a lot of the stuff I'm like, oh, this thing, this thing. With some of the stuff, I'm like, oh, my God, this thing. I forgot about you. Like, because I have like hundreds of toys. So it's going to be, and, so, and like my clothes, I'm going to be like, oh, my wool pants that I've been wanting all winter. Like oh, yeah. all this stuff that I haven't had this entire time. So yeah. Yeah. Maybe like brand new. I, I know that feeling because we lived in a small town home when we sold our first house and we're building the second one. And by the time we got everything moved, I had, was it like maybe seven or eight boxes labeled vintage? And I was like, oh, huh. 
And then I'd open it. I'm like, oh my God, look at this. I'm like showing my husband. I'm like, I forgot I had this. He's like, great. I need you to unpack not the vintage, like the mm. stuff we need. Doesn't sound like fun <laughs> at I'm all. Like, no, look at this. I forgot I had this cake stand. <laughs> Frying pans Aww. can wait. I'm getting the vintage out. <laughs> yeah, it's important. It is. Yeah, I don't. I if I ever move from this house, I'll have to have like a gigantic yard sale because I. Uh, Your yard sale though would be like, I, nope, just kidding. I actually am going to keep that. I'd have to not be here for it. I know, I know it's been on this table, but I changed my mind. Like any time I've been, oh no, no, you're just there with a spray bottle to keep (laughs) you back in the house. Get in the house. I'm standing in my windows. (laughs) That's really old. That's actually an antique. No, don't sell it for five dollars. Don't give that to your dog. (laughs) Hey, actually, no, I saw your dog in the car. Don't, Jill, don't sell that to her. (laughs) She got bad vibes. She's going to give it to her kid. (laughs) She looks like she's going to paint it. Don't. (laughs) (laughs) Like she's willing to give $50, Sam. Sit down. Okay. (laughs) All right. So before we get into uh, my favorite part of the show today to talk about other people shouting us down for vintage, (laughs) where can our listeners find you online? Um, I'm, well, I'm only on Instagram, which my name on there is Ashtomaton. Perfect. Like automaton. It's spelled like automaton, but with the first part of my name. <laughs> Which my phone yeah. autocorrected to Ash Tomaton when I was typing it. So you've really made a name for yourself. If <laughs> Yeah, I mean, if that is, yeah. If the autocorrect overlords recognize it, it's better than Merriam-Webster recognizing <laughs> you. <laughs> and it is a delight. I really hope that everybody goes while you're listening and looks that up because the pictures you take when you take your little toys out on little journeys with you and the little vignettes and even just if you want to be a maximalist you want to get in with the rest of us you have great photos of how you have stored your collections and displayed them and I really yeah please go look and get some ideas and that's another great thing if you're at the thrift store and you see something and you're like I don't know where I would put that like you always got to picture it in a little Mm -hmm. bit of a spot or a space and what better way than to gather inspiration from other collectors right Mm-hmm. Yep. I love putting things away and rearranging and mm-hmm. yeah, getting a new piece that doesn't fit where it goes. So I like move all this stuff and then put all these, uh, the other things there and mm-hmm. just, I mean, just love displacing things to make it all work. But I, it's like my favorite thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Same. Same. I, uh, Jinx, I rearrange stuff and like put stuff away for a season. And then when I get that box back out the next season, I'm like, Oh my God, I forgot about you. I know. Mm-hmm. I've got like, Four shelves that I still am trying to figure out what I want to put there. And my husband's like, are we doing anything with that? Yep. Nope. Mm-mm. Haven't found the right pieces Mm-mm. yet. It will come to <laughs> Nope. And now it's rolled over into my greenhouse. Now I'm finding things that I'm like, <laughs> I don't care if they get like sun damaged, but I'm like, what cute vintage can I surround myself with there? Oh, yeah. There you go. Yeah. Okay. Those little concrete animals. I had uh, one and yes. then it disintegrated. Oh. I had it, um, it was inside, and then I had set it out. It was a hedgehog, which I love. And at the end of the season, I don't know if it was the sprinkler that destroyed it, but it was just a pile of rubble, sad hedgehog rubble. All right. So, and I had a snail planter outside. He's now inside, and my pepperoni plant is in it. That's why I call pepperoni a plant. It's a pepperoni plant. <laughs> my son calls it pizzaroni, but we'll call it. <laughs> okay. So, for those of you that are new to the show, every week on the Mothball Prophecies, we do an imaginary estate sale walkthrough. 
All of the items in the estate sale exist in real life and are based around our guests' favorite things. The only trick is you can only pick one of the items from each section of the estate sale walkthrough. If you think it's your favorite color, it is. If it's the one you've been after, most definitely is. The prices are very reasonable, or you could just steal it. It's made up, so <laughs> you make your choice. You're responsible for finding your own loopholes. We won't help you with that. Are we ready? Sure, let's go. Let's just let's just roll it through. All right. Today, we are stopping in at an indoor flea market, of course, in Holland. If we're going to be going anywhere for this, we're going to the mecca of vintage and antiques. Where do you regret? <laughs> we have our baskets ready and we're ready to hunt. The first booth we come to has stacks of vintage scarves. Do you choose the lot of silk floral scarves or the lot of geometric cotton scarves? The really thin like handkerchief type. Ash, we'll go with you first. What are you picking? Um, probably geometric. Mm -hmm. That's a good pick. Jill? Uh, are these scarves long enough to tie up my hair? 100%. Various sizes for each application you wish to use. You no, know, because for. I've got a giant noggin, so I've got to make sure. Like a tablecloth. Mm -hmm. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. That's what I need. A duster for yeah. a dresser. Yeah. Uh, mm, I'm... <laughs> uh floral <gasps> surprise <laughs> i'm also going with the floral and i also have a big <laughs> noggin so it's got to work so we're stealing from each other then yeah we'll borrow we'll switch back and forth <laughs> all right up next we have old tins in little boxes do you choose the antique animal cracker tin with a little handle or the antique nabisco graham cracker tin and it has this little tr like collection of little cute children on it Ash? Mm, definitely animals over children. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that, that was my thought too, because I was with the Nabisco until you said the children. Oh, they're cute. Yay. But I get it. I get it. I'm going to go with the kids because now I feel bad for them. <laughs> Crying on their cracker box. <laughs> All right. I made the first two easy on purpose because the last one is difficult, difficult. I had to do it. We are at the last booth that of course has Two automatons to choose from. One is an antique Hubach character toy. And the other, and I'm going to let you think of what the scenario is on them. They could be anything, okay? And the other is a magician with a little teapot, and he does a little trick. Which one are you picking? And what was the first one again? The first one, the one that's, I guess, based on this is a scene set up kind of in a square. There's a fence around it, two characters, some wildlife, and it turns and I think they feed something or move around. You know? oh, okay. Okay. And the yeah. other one is the magician with a teapot and a rabbit and, of course, reveals the trick. Yeah, I would go with the rabbit one because there's a animal there's a bunny and it's probably kind of special mm -hmm. it's pretty cute it was very expensive <laughs> <laughs> so we're still in it the listing mean? was expensive but let me clarify we're stealing this bitch oh, they're expensive <laughs> it's oh. accurate. <laughs> uh, i don't know what are you getting pick i'm gonna go with the little scene with the two people because they have these adorable pointed little hats and like 
They're just charming. I, they also has like little animals and I love little animals. I like the magician too, but I like the whimsy of the other one. So I'm going to go mm-hmm. with that one. I think I'm going to go with the magician. Yeah? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's a good That's a good choice. Yeah. That's a good one. All right. It wasn't too brutal today. That's good. <laughs> Trying to be good today. <laughs> Thank you so much for sitting down with us. It's marvelous to learn about you and behind your reasoning for choosing things and makes me want to seek out some more toys for my own collection. So now that you're on different stopping grounds, we won't compete with yeah. each other. <laughs> Do it. Buy the things. I will. I hope no, you so. have a wonderful <laughs> Sunday evening and that your week goes well and that when you get into your house, I hope you share all about it because I can't wait to see oh, where you put all I'll your be. stuff. <laughs> Pictures and tour and all kinds of yes. nonsense. Oh, I can't, can't wait. wait. I'll start doing the showcase show again, too. Oh. Which is what I did, like, uh, several times. I was like, this is what's in this case. And I would, like, talk about mm-hmm. things. And it's all going to be, like, different this time because... I don't even remember what I have. <laughs> I can't wait. I can't wait. I loved those when you did them before. It's like, it's like, oh, I want that now. I know. That's my problem. It's the theme of this damn show. <laughs> Thank you so much. Uh, we really appreciate it. And I can't wait to share this with everybody. To hear even more about the things we talk about today with Ash, stick around for this week's Curio Corner. I'm just convinced now that... The only time I'll ever fully feel alive is if I'm thrifting in that part of the world. Because <laughs> it just, everything she posts and everything she's talked about just felt like magic. I just feel like if you um, go over there, you're going to have to have a shipping mm-hmm. crate sent yeah. back. I'm going to need to be in a... Because I just, I don't see you holding restraint. I'm going to have to have a different tax bracket for that trip. Yeah. yeah, or just have like a yacht that I just f- furnish with vintage. <laughs> that sounds horrendous. I'm not going to do that. Get a vintage yacht yeah. filled with Plus vintage. Plus I'm delirious right now because I'm sick. So everything seems like it could be magic. Anything anything, anything can go. Anything right can now. go. Um, it was a delight finally sitting down with Ash. She has been suggested numerous times and... I have followed her stuff for a really long time. Um, I love her aesthetic. I love everything she decorates with and, of course, what she collects. Mm-hmm. So it was so fun to sit down and finally speak with her. And her background was so cute from an automaton museum. And I literally thought it was just her background, but it was not. I did, too. I thought it was like a poster. or I didn't really know what it was, but I was like, mm-hmm. that's cool. And then she just looked at us like, no, no. idiots. So it's just a green screen. And we're like, oh, deep faked. We've been deep faked. Be like, I'm an old person. I don't really. (laughs) I'm just trusting you wholly. Um, I I was stoked Mm. when she mentioned Mark Ryden because Mark Ryden, the artist, was one of my first kind of internet obsessions, if you can believe it. Like, well, the first time I came across his art, I was like, this is everything that I love and more. Like, anthropomorphic. Kind of weird, mm-hmm. super kitschy. The texture and everything is incredible. And when we were in California, we went to Bitter Squeak's house. She had a bunch of Mark Ryden mm-hmm. art as well as toys. And it is one of my list of things to see his uh, art in a gallery one day in person instead of on, you know, an iPhone or an iPad. 
<laughs> Holding it really close to your face. So you really can see close. It. Yeah. Um, so we're just going to do a little brief history on Mark Ryden. This is coming from Wikipedia. He was born January 20th, 1963. I did not expect him to be as old as my mother. It makes his art even cooler to me. He's an American mm-hmm. painter who is considered part of the lowbrow or pop surrealist art movement. He was dubbed the godfather of pop surrealism by Interview Magazine. Him and his wife, uh, Marion Peck, they are both pop surrealist artists and are dubbed the king and queen. And they were named one of the 10 most important art couples when they lived in Los Angeles. Um, His aesthetic is developed from an amalgam of many sources, from Ingress, David, and other French classicists to Little Golden Books. Ryden also draws his inspiration from anything that will evoke mystery. So he has old toys, anatomical models, stuffed animals, skeletons, and religious ephemera. He designed artwork for prominent musicians, including Aerosmith, Michael Jackson, and the Red Hot Chili Peppers. And the artwork that he worked on, so early in his career from 88 to 1998, he worked as a commercial artist. And during this period, this is where he created album covers for these musicians. Uh, He created Danger Danger's debut album, Warren's debut album, album, Michael Jackson's Dangerous album, The Four Non-Blondes, Bigger, Better, Faster, More, Red Hot Chili Peppers, Sweetheart Dealer, um... So Long, Scarecrow, The Screaming Trees, Marcy's Playground, and Aerosmith, which is wow, insane. The amount of uh, talent, uh, the crossing all of those genres. And then 1998 to present, he started to have solo shows. And these are the names of those shows. We have The Meat Show, Wonder Tunnel, The Tree Show in 2007, the Snow Yak Show in 2009, the Gay 90s Old Time Art Show in 2010, The Tree of Life. Um, we have the Gay 90s Old Time Theme or Time Music in 2014, and Whipped Cream, which was one I wanted to see desperately. Desperately. <laughs> he currently lives in uh, Portland, Oregon. He has two children. And if you are unfamiliar with Mark Ryden's work, please familiarize yourself because it is, it's so great. I think I had like them as like wallpapers on my phone and printed out like really shitty copies of it. Um, It also (laughs) led me down the path of my other favorite artist, which is Mab Graves, which is another friend of Bitter Squeaks. Mm -hmm. Um, In my kitchen, I have a limited edition Halloween treats plate by Mab Graves. Yes, and it's, it's adorable. It's just exquisite. Exquisite. I love I love everything about his art, the framing. It's just chef's kiss. Chef's <laughs> kiss. So if you have time, give it a Google. Yeah, I mean, and I think a lot of you would be surprised that, that you've already seen a lot of yeah. his work. Anyway, like you said, with the art mm-hmm. covers and stuff like that. So... Yeah, you should totally look because it's amazing. And it always blows my mind when somebody like that is like our parents' uh-huh. age. Because I'm like, oh, that's, how would that feel growing up? <laughs> Be like, I did all these mm-hmm. award-winning artwork. What have you done, mm-hmm. child? I made you this macaroni necklace. <laughs> I made you, you this geometric Christmas tree block that I hot glued together. Yeah. Enjoy, Mom Air. <laughs> 
Um, so w- one of the things that she collected a lot of, though, is the automaton toys. Um, so I'll just go over a little bit about them. But I mean, so that was the hard thing about the um, when I was looking all this up. Uh, there's so much out there on them. Mm-hmm. And where they started, a lot of it says um, it's um, they started in Egypt because really it's just mechanisms, right? Um, so this one came from Wikipedia too, but there's like, I don't know, thousands of articles on these toys. But it says automaton is relatively self-operating machine or control mechanism designed to automatically follow a sequence of operations or respond to predetermined instructions. Some automaton, um, such as bell strikers in mechanical clocks or are designed to give the illusion to the casual observer that they are operating under their own power. Since long ago, the term commonly associated with automated puppets that resemble moving humans and animals built to impress and or to entertain people. Um, But her focus was a lot of the Japanese stuff because she talked about going Mm -hmm. to Japan and all that kind of stuff. So this um, is continuation. Um, But it said... Japan adopted clockwork automata in early 17th century as a karakuri, I'm totally messing that up, (laughs) I apologize, puppets. In 1662, Takeda Omi completed his first butai karakuri and then built several of these large puppets for theatrical exhibitions. The new attitude towards automata is to be found in René Descartes when he suggested that the bodies of animals are nothing more than the complex machines. The bones, muscles, and organs could be replaced with cogs, pistons, and cams. Thus, mechanism became the standard to which nature and the organism was compared. France in the 17th century was the birthplace of the ingenious mechanical toys that were to become prototypes for the engines of the Industrial Revolution. Thus, in 1649, when Louis XIV was still a child, an artisan named Camus designed for him a miniature coach and horse completed with footmen, page, and a lady within the coach. All these figures exhibited a perfect movement according to P. General of Genese, constructed in 1688, in addition to the machine for gunnery and navigation, a peacock that walked oh, and ate. So, really, they're just amazing little, little machines. machines. I love them. But, yeah, like, I mean, Japan made them, Swiss made them, France, you know, all over Europe, Egypt, um... I did, I read somewhere, I think it was in this um, article also, like a lot of these toys that they find still work because all you have to do is, you know, oil the cogs and all that. And then they're still in working function because they don't have an actual power source of any kind. You just wind those little babies up. Which is why they're so collectible now if they're still in working order. And yeah, they're so fun to watch mm-hmm. too. They're so cool. If you are in San Francisco or anywhere that there is automatons and things like that, please go just observe them. They are really a marvel of the past. They're really cool. Um, 
Yeah, there's the other thing I wanted to briefly mention was tin toys. Um, because they have a much cooler history than I anticipated, right? You've everybody's seen them. They're it's 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 always always the ones that you don't expect. And you've seen them, right? You've seen them on auctions, you've seen them at estate sales, you've seen them at yard sales, you've seen you've seen them. And you're after I feel like after we hear what you say, we're gonna regret not Um, buying them. This article comes from yabay.com. And this is the basically starts with your regular German-made tin toys and then moves into Japan-made, okay? So toys made from tin called tin plate were first made during the 1800s. These toys were crafted with very thinly cut sheets of steel that were plated in tin. The rise of tin toys came out of the need to replace wooden toys with an alternative that was cost-efficient. The first signs of tin toys in human history were were in 18th century Germany, wherein toys made from tin plate were originally handmade from the cutting of the plates up to assembly and design process. The Germans were also responsible for improving tin toy designs through time. The first development from static tin toys came when the Germans came out with the spring-activated toys. These toys were implanted with a spring, which allowed the toy to create movement using the mechanism inside. While the Germans enjoyed the privilege of pioneering the tin toy industry, its downfall coincided with the wake of the First World War. As the popularity of Germany began to waver, along with the increasing anti-German sentiment, German-made tin toys began to waver in popularity. A lot of toy manufacturers in the United States took the opportunity to replace Germany as a viable manufacturer for tin toys. In the 20s, the American tin toy industry began to boom. While the late 1800s up to the early 1900s saw the rise of German toy maker Ernst Paul Lehmann, the 20s paved way for the rise of American Louis Marx and Company as the largest manufacturer in the world. Now, I know I have seen those at sales because they've been marked uh-huh. that way. Yeah. However, in the wake of the Second World War, the manufacturing of tin toys was ceased to divert steel into arms production. It was only after the Second World War when a struggling Japan started to engage in the manufacturing of tin toys, as well as many other things that we now know and collect. At the time, Japan was struggling to rebuild its nation after it had fallen from the Second World War. The the nation had just spent a lot on war efforts alongside Germany and had a lot of structural damage from attacks made by the United States and its allies. Um, So the high standards of Japanese marksmanship shown in the tin toy tin toy industry. A few years after the end of the Second World War, tin toys were once produced by Western companies shifted to these Japanese manufacturers. A large number of demand for tin toys worldwide was met with a challenge by Japanese toy makers, in line with Japan's goal to rebuild its nation post-war. Manufacturers were given the rights to produce large quantities of tin toys. Um, In partnership with America, who was once Japan's enemy in the war, the goal was giving Japan a chance to earn low profits by bulk manufacturing of tin toys, which would in turn be sold in the American market. Despite the hardships from the previous years, Japan rose to the challenge above what anyone had expected. Um, So where are they now? Let's see. While there are some tin toys being manufactured at present, the rather small demand is now being met by Chinese manufacturers. Um, the popular designs of Japanese tin toys, there are different types of tin toys available in the market, but some designs are more popular than others. And here is the list. Vehicles, cars, trains, helicopters, and boats, robots, characters such as animals and characters from movies or TV shows, 
wind-up toys and um, the present value of Japanese tin toys. Let's see. It was found that the lower end of prices for tin toys is at $100. This was in 2018. And they go up from there. So, of course they do. There's your little tin toy history for the, all of you out there. Who would have known? I mean, seriously, who, who would have known? Of course, I hope you are all following along with Ash Tomaton on her Instagram as she settles into her new home in the Netherlands and watch as she decorates it. I can't wait to get inspiration for curating collections and putting things together through her stuff. Yes, she does such cute things. It's so cute. It was a dream to sit down with her. It was really uh, wonderful and kind of that spark of inspiration of collecting Things of the past that are truly, you know, forgotten, but still very whimsical. And to also take them out in the wild and take some cute-ass pictures. I love that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I do It's so good. We will have all of Ash's links listed on our Instagram, The Mothball Prophecies Original, as well as our website, themothballprophecies.com. This week, I hope you are spending time asking important questions to those mentors in your life, whether they be old young, important parts of your history. Be sure to ask them those questions. As always, I hope you find some good shit. And remember to look under those tables. Do it. Bye. See ya.